0: You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Well, the title of my message today is Seek and Find. Can we say that together? Seek and Find. I don't know if you were... Little if like me you played a game called hide and seek, it's kind of like seek and find really, Um, hide and seek. Uh, Hide and seek uh, you probably know and you probably played it, it's a game best played in a big house or outdoors or somewhere where there's lots of places to hide. And the idea is that one person is it, or they are on, or whatever it is, and they close their eyes, they count to a certain number that's been agreed, and then when they've counted, like everyone has gone off and they've tried to hide, and then traditionally they shout, coming ready or not. And then they try and find everybody, and the last person to be found is the winner. Well, I don't know, maybe when you were little, if you played that, you wanted to win, you wanted to be the last person. Of course, the danger is if you hit really well, you never got found. And you don't know whether you should come out of hiding or whether they're still looking for you, but actually everyone's gone off and they're doing something totally different. Uh, we, uh, we once uh, had the joy as a family when the kids were little of staying in a big old house and uh, it, all of the furniture was, was empty because it was like a, a holiday home and so amazing places to hide. All the wardrobes, the, the chests, under the beds, with loads of places to hide. But when you're big, the the joy isn't in winning, the joy is in being found. And so so Esther and myself, the kids are little, so you know, we'd hide behind curtain, but make sure our feet are sticking out because actually you want to be found. And there is joy in being found. This is in the heart of God. Uh, As we seek and find him, he, he doesn't ask us to seek him in order that we might struggle to do so because he wants to be found by us. I don't know, maybe some of you are among those who are regulars at misplacing things. You say, I've, I've lost my keys. You haven't really lost your keys. You've just put them down somewhere unusual again. You know, not often in families, there's one person who's always like, oh, that person. And they create a mini drama on a regular basis because they've lost something. Now, for me, I'm a creature of habit. So in our house, there's only two places where I put my wallet. So if it's not there, it's going to be there. Although even that said, occasionally that doesn't happen and then that freaks me out because if it's not there and it's not there, I don't know where it is and it's lost and then everybody has to try and find it. And of course the joy is when it's found. This is uh, the reality of a desire and a spiritual principle in the heart of God that we might seek him, but only that we might find him. The principle of seeking and finding is strong In the kingdom, throughout the Old Testament, the orientation of the Bible, you'll see so many times there is the call upon God's people to seek him. Sometimes God will will allow his people to, to suffer and to go into exile in order that they might seek me, is what the Lord says. In order that in their pain, in their ambivalence, in their apathy towards him, they might realize the plight of their circumstance and turn their hearts towards him again and seek after him. Because God is always desiring that we would seek him and that we would find him there. There are two Hebrew words For seek there's Bacchus and Daras, and really it's obvious what it means. It's it's to search for, to inquire of, to look to, to come after, to consult this idea that we might be an orientator towards him. In the book of Acts, Paul is preaching in Athens, and he's preaching to a people who do not know the living God. In fact, he's there, and then he's... He's seen something that that enables him to talk about the living God. And he says this to, to his hearers. He says, God put his breath into mankind in order that men would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him. Although he's not far from each of us. God put something in us. He determined our times and our places, the Bible said, in order that we might seek him. In other words, God has put something innate within us, even his breath, that there might be something that is within us that would orientate ourselves like a magnetic pull to seek God. I feel it's like this. When we are seeking after God, we are facing the right way. The way we were designed to face, and when we're not seeking after God, when we're not orientated towards Him, when our, our posture is not towards God, it's like we're out of whack. We're not, we're not facing the right way, but the Bible says God's put something within us in order that we might seek Him, although He is not far from us. God is not hard to find, and yet He's found by those who seek Him. Jesus is asked a question about praying. And we find in Luke 11, he gives us a pattern for prayer, the Lord's prayer, our Father who art in heaven. But then he goes on from the pattern of prayer and lays down some principles for praying. And he talks about persistence, but he also says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. Jesus, notice he's talking to his disciples about how to pray. And he says, if you ask, you'll receive. If you seek, you'll find. This is part of prayer that inside of our prayer lives, we would be seekers and we would be finders. In the modern era of church, the word seeker has often been used in many churches to describe somebody that is on a journey towards faith but not there yet. Well, of course, in one way they are seeking if they're inquiring, if they're investigating their faith or or what they might believe, whether they believe God is real. But can I encourage us? We must not stop being seekers. In fact, we must strive to become master seekers The disciples, Jesus says, you must seek because if you seek, you'll find. My desire is to be a great seeker. I want to continue to be seeking after God in order that I would find him at another level. Sometimes we can feel distant from God. We can feel we lack spiritual authority. Maybe we feel it's been a long time since we sensed his presence. I'm going to say we we can all feel like that at times. We all feel like that at times. And yet probably we just need to re-find him. We just need to seek him afresh. Today, if you've got your Bible, would you turn with me to Luke chapter 2. And we're going to read the account of two amazing seekers and be inspired by two amazing seekers. As you turn to Luke 2 and one of the great nativity stories, the story of Simeon and Anna finding the baby Jesus in the temple let me be upfront about the message. Unashamedly, today's message is as we begin to prepare us for what I believe will be one of the most significant seasons in the 82-year history of this church, which is in the new year, 21 days of prayer. Four weeks tomorrow, we're calling the church to 21 days of prayer, 7th to the 27th of January, a season of seeking, a season of pressing into God. And we're conscious if we don't land on this until the new year, we won't have a chance to orientate ourselves and prepare ourselves. So we're looking at seeking and finding that we might begin to consider, okay, this is coming, it's after Christmas, but how can I prepare myself that in that season, I would use it to seek God at another level. I would use it to press in, to know Him, to come aside, to worship, to listen, to enjoy Him, to move on from the Empowered series that we've just finished. that, That wouldn't be a series we did, but a springboard for 2019, how we would be people filled with the Holy Spirit, living in the power and the presence of Holy Spirit. And of course we'll have jobs to do, we have studies to attend to, we have families, we have responsibilities. But I believe this could be an incredibly significant 21 days as a house as we begin our year next year seeking the Lord. You see there's a context in our season that we've been speaking about through the autumn that we've been speaking to in terms of our vision to go deeper and to reach wider, out of Isaiah 54, a, a sense that in 2019, we are going to reach wider than we've reached before. Maybe you've sensed in recent weeks, mission being mobilized. We are, we're, it's so exciting, we are doing more, more people getting mobilized into Compassion Ministries. We're so excited about that, reaching thousands of lost people. Great stories of people sharing their faith, things happening in schools. I'm so excited about next year. As a leadership, we've been praying the last three Sundays in the evenings about a third service, which will probably go live in the spring. We're just praying through how the Lord wants us to shape that. In order that we might reach wider, but we know, as the injunction of Isaiah 54 is, stretch your tent curtains wide, it's also, and strengthen your stakes. We we are unwise to go wider if we're not also going deeper. And part of the call to go deeper is prayer, that we are deeper rooted in him, that the things we're on with have a a deeper and a stronger prayer cover. And I'm excited about this 21 days as we will seek God and seek to go deeper personally. Luke 2, breaking in at verse 22, Jesus has been born here. I know I'm a bit ahead of time in the season of Advent, but I'll include this in one of the nativity stories. Jesus in Luke 2 uh, at the start, has been born in Bethlehem, and the angels appeared to the shepherds on the hillside. Some stories we'll certainly visit over the next couple of weeks. And then it says this, verse 22, When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. To do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them. And said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. So the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel in the tribe of Asher. She was very old and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84 She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong and was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We're going to home in on these seekers, Simeon and Anna. Three thoughts for us today. Firstly, they were consecrated to the Lord. They were consecrated to the Lord. It it says of Anna, she never left the temple. If something is consecrated, it, it means it is dedicated for special service. If we were to to consecrate this keyboard and and consecrate it only for use in these services and on this platform, then really it it would not be allowed to be used in any other setting. Of course, in this church, we don't consecrate things, so we can use the keyboard where we want to use it, but we do believe in the consecration of people, that our lives should be consecrated, dedicated for special service. It means... They were set apart. They were fully devoted. They were separate. Or to say it another way, they weren't compromised. Simeon and Anna, they they weren't compromised people. They weren't double-minded. They weren't casual. Simeon, the Bible says, was righteous. He was devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, which tells us that he was preoccupied with the things of God. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, was upon him. He's, the Holy Spirit has not yet been poured out at Pentecost, and yet the Spirit is on Simeon. Somehow Simeon's heart and orientation has attracted the presence of God, and he's developed this relationship with Holy Spirit almost ahead of his time, almost before the Spirit has been poured out on all flesh. And yet it's said that the Holy Spirit revealed to him what would happen, and then moved by the Spirit. This is a Spirit-led person a consecrated person. And here's Anna, dear Anna. She's 84, married for seven years and then widowed. You know, possible in that culture, she could have been married as early as 17. It could have been for 60 years. She's widowed and yet she's not bitter. She's found her home in the temple. It says she, she never left the temple. I don't know whether she had another place to go. She just, she just decided this is where I want to be. This is where I'm going to stay. And it says she worshipped night and day with fasting and praying a consecrated life. Brothers and sisters, Simeon and Anna were seekers in the best possible sense of the word. Their lives were orientated towards God. They show us what it was like to be seekers, to seek after God, to have a heart that is consumed with the things of God. You know, most of us in the modern world, we live busy, noisy, distracted lives with so much going on, full of demands. You know, some of us would like, I'd love to never leave the temple. I'd love to be able to just stay in the presence of God worshiping. But if we say that, we miss the point. You see, we are the temple. Ah. You know, some of us we think, oh, you know, what this, what we experience here on a Sunday. You know, if we could just, I'd love to just stay here. I wish I didn't have any responsibilities, any job to go to, any bills to pay, any kids to look at. Well, maybe I do love my kids, but you know, it's like I just would love to love. What a great thing! You know, it's all right for Anna. If I could just do that, that would be amazing. You know, I wish I was a monk. You know, just set apart, totally for God. And yet, we actually miss the point because. We are the temple. The the presence that Anna went after is now in us. But we need to be consecrated to have a mindset shift. Uh, our men's gathering, Men's Connect, a few weeks ago, we had a number of boxes on this side of the uh, stage and, and some boxes on the other side of the stage. And the boxes on this side, side we had, you know, the, they were labeled and it said work and it said study and. Hobbies and family and children and friends and God and church and music, and there were a whole load of things. And I say, Who feels like because you literally couldn't pick them all up? And who feels like we're we're trying to fit everything in and can't carry it? And and we can feel guilty that some boxes are smaller than they ought to be, and yet, really, it's a flawed mindset. And over this side, we had another set of boxes. They were all the same boxes, except the God box wasn't there. But there was a big box called worship. And all the other boxes fitted in to the worship box. And then you could actually lift that up. And the message was actually the consecrated life, the, the seeker's life, understands that everything is worship. And we don't seek to carry it. We seek to offer it. But this mindset shift that many of us need requires consecration. To come aside, to recalibrate. You know, sometimes if devices go out of whack, you have to return to factory settings. And sometimes we have to return to the maker's settings. And 21 days of prayer is just an incredible opportunity for us to recalibrate. Many of us are rhythms have got out of whack. And in the new year to come, we'll provide a number of guides and resources online. We'll, during that time, encourage the gathering together in life groups and praying and encourage one another. We'll have some times where we can come together here for worship and prayer. But above all, it's the time for us to focus, to pray, to make time for God, to consecrate our lives, to dedicate our years to Him, to reestablish some disciplines and some habits. It can be so helpful at the start of the year. As a young guy, before I got married, four or five years, I I took annual leave the first week of the year to pray and fast, to go and seek God. We didn't have time of prayer and fasting in our church at at that time, but I, I knew I needed to seek God. I knew I needed to consecrate my life and consecrate my year. Some of the most incredible times, they were so formative in my spiritual walk. I remember the first time I went, I, I, like, I literally, I, I had so little money, I couldn't afford to go to a retreat house, but I knew I just needed to get away somewhere. But I knew some people who had, they were trying to sell a house in Hull, and it was empty, and I said, look, can I, can I go and use your empty house? And they were like, well, it's freezing cold, but, but yeah. So I was like, that's oh, all right, I'll just do it. And I twisted uh, my friend's arm to come with me, and we took some little electric heaters, and I managed to twist my sister's arm to lend me her car. God bless my sister. She let me take her car and, and then what we would have spent on food, we spent on petrol and we got ourselves to Hull and we spent the week in this cold little damp house fasting and praying and I want to tell you it was the most glorious time that I'd ever experienced in my life. I can't explain it to be seeking after God, to consecrate my life. The presence of God was so powerful. Something happened inside of me and it became part of my rhythm and became part of my life to seek God at the start of the year. The second thought for us is that that these seekers were committed to the presence of God. It says of Anna, she worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Let me simply help us understand there's the omnipresence of God, there's the inner presence of God, and there's the manifest presence of God. The omnipresence of God is is the idea that God is ever-present. He is everywhere. If I make my bed in the depths, even there, we we can't run away from where God is because he fills the whole earth with his glory. The inner presence of God is that the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within. Jesus says, I have been with you, but he will be within you but the manifest presence of God is when the the presence of God is made known to us it is revealed to us we can have those times and those moments where we can sense the presence of God if you've never sensed that stick around this community and you will start to learn the presence of God because so we're passionate about the presence of God we have to cultivate that in our own lives Simeon had developed this relationship with the Holy Spirit. He must have cultivated a sense of God. He'd learned to hear the voice of God. He'd learned to respond to the promises of God. We're told that. And Anna, this amazing 84-year-old temple dweller, she was a seeker after the presence. She stayed in the temple. Well, why, why would she have done that? Because in those days, the, if the presence of God was manifest anywhere, it was in the temple, and she just decided she didn't even want to go home. She must have been committed to the presence of God. She was a worshipper. But also notice this, that at the age of 84, she'd found a key of fasting and praying. There's something about prayer and fasting that heightens our awareness of God's presence. And if we're going to be a community of seekers, we must continue the journey of prayer and fasting. For the last six years, four times a year, we've had a time of prayer and fasting, three days or a week, and encouraged all of us to engage in some way. But this will be the first time we've had an extended period of 21 days. and I'll, I'll make some comments about this so we, we understand what is being said and what is being suggested. You see, prayer connects us to God, but fasting disconnects us from the world. There's a battle within us always between the flesh and the spirit, the the carnal self and its appetites, and our spirit and our connection to God. And fasting denies the appetites of the flesh. It brings them into submission. So they don't dominate, they don't control But you see, without prayer, fasting is mere starvation. Fasting without prayer is miserable. But fasting with prayer is very powerful because as we subdue and submit those appetites of the flesh and pray, then we feed our spirit man within us. Also, fasting can create focus it can create time it can create space it can help us to understand you know for me when I'm I'm engaged in a fast I'm aware that I'm in a fast my body tells me that I'm in a fast and it orientates me towards God it orientates me towards him and it also heightens a sense of his presence in our 21 days of prayer in the new year to be clear the emphasis is prayer To seek, to draw near, to make space for God, to worship, to enjoy Him, to feed on His Word, to listen for His voice, maybe to read some inspiring Christian books, to just draw on the Lord. But we also encourage all of us to fast in some way. If this is new for you, let let me just take a, a little detour to say that fasting is normal or should be normal in the Christian walk. Jesus said in Matthew 6, when you pray, and speaks about prayer, and then he says, and when you fast, and speaks about fasting. In Matthew 9, he's challenged, why don't your disciples fast? And he says, well, they're not fasting because I'm with them, but when I go, they will fast. And then we see that in the book of Acts. It says in Acts 13, while they were worshipping and fasting, the Holy Spirit spoke to them. It didn't say anything, it just gives the context. They're in a season of worshipping and fasting. And the Lord speaks and speaks to them to set Barnabas and Saul apart and to send them on a missions journey. And he says, so after they had fasted and prayed, so they're worshipping and fasting, the Lord speaks. And then they have some time of prayer and fasting before they lay hands on them and send them out. And then it says, Paul and Barnabas, they're on their journey. They're appointing elders in churches. And he said but they did so after prayer and fasting in Acts 14. Paul later on writes to Corinthians in chapter 11, he speaks about some of his challenges and says, I have been in fastings often. It should be a normal part of our life. If this is new for you. The, let me just help us. There are different kinds of fasts. You'll find different categories online. You can look into this. We would simply categorize it like this. Firstly, there's, there's, the, normal, there's the normal fast. The normal fast is a liquids-only uh, maybe water can be very sustaining. Just to have fruit juices or something, something like that can be helpful. That's a normal fast: is the elimination of food. There's a partial fast, which is cutting out some meals at certain times. So maybe if, if you continue to eat anything, only don't have lunch or don't eat. And before 6 p.m. or something like that, that would be a, a partial fast. There would might what we call a selective fast or a Daniel fast. In the book of Daniel, Daniel goes on a 21-day fast, uh, and it says that he didn't eat any choice foods, meats, or wine. During that time, he eliminated certain foods and had a very simple diet, but continued to eat. And then there's what we might call a, a soul fast, cutting out some of the things that could be a source of entertainment, maybe. TV or YouTube or social media, eliminating some of the things that can crowd our world, that can be unhelpful for us, that can be distractions for us. And I simply want to encourage us that we consider as we come into the new year that most of us can do something in the first three, for some of the time at least, and all of us can do something in the last category. But I say this because in my experience of fasting, it's 90% in the mind and only 10% in the body. So preparation is really important. So if over the Christmas period you say, Lord, I want to engage in this. What should I do? And you make a decision and you know what you're going to do and you write it down and you're very clear with yourself. It will massively help yourself. You go into it going, well, I don't know. I'll see how the first day goes. Let me tell you, you won't do too well. Preparation. We'll put some practical things online, preparation if you've never fa- fasted, re-entry, caffeine, bad breath. There's lots of practical things to talk about I'm not gonna go into today. We, we might, if it's helpful, we could run a, a live fasting seminar, but I, I'm just, we'll try and put some things online to resource you. But let me just say this, it's really important to keep us healthy. A few things real quick. Number one, I, we, we wouldn't recommend, recommend any food fasting if you're on medication if you're pregnant, if you're still developing physically, but most people are under the age of 18, if you've got any eating disorder, if I can say it like this, if your relationship with food is a challenge for you, if bulimia or anorexia, any of those type of related issues can be a vulnerability for you, we'd recommend take a different form of fasting. That would be our advice you. Secondly, we'd We'd encourage you to build your stamina. Now, if the Lord speaks to you and tells you to do something and you know it's the Lord and if you're not sure, run it by leadership, then go with God. But our recommendation would be if, if you've never fasted one day, don't do three. If you've never fasted three, don't go for seven. If you've never fasted seven, don't go for 21. It can be helpful to build your stamina up. The first time I fasted was for two days. I thought I was going to die. I had to get through that to realize actually I was gonna be okay. It was a while before I did a 21 day fast because it's helpful to build your stamina. You should also consider your other responsibilities. If you're married, talk to your spouse. Don't just go to ground, neglect the kids. For Esther and myself, we've both done 21-day food fasts, but we've not done them at the same time because the other one will be on point to to cook and, and look after the kids and release the other person to seek the Lord. We're not sure quite how we're going to manage January. We're just talking it through, but we're talking together. Consider your responsibilities. If you've got a physical manual job, you've got to think about that. Unless the Lord's going to supernaturally sustain you, be unwise to do a a strong food fast if you've got a manual job. You've got to think about some of these things. Be responsible. That would be our encouragement. Uh, Fourth thing I want to say, it's not a competition. There's no superiority. There's no hierarchy. If you fast for longer, you're not holier. You're just fasting for longer. It's really important because people can get very competitive. Fifthly, we want to say it's not compulsory. We're not forcing anybody to do anything, but we are encouraging everybody to seek the Lord, to be seekers and to be finders, to be consecrated, to be committed to His presence. You know, it's always very interesting. We've, we've run two or three fasting seminars over the years trying to help people understand fasting, particularly who are entering in for the first time. And we always say, you know, like nothing's compulsory. At the end of every seminar, though, somebody comes up and says, but am I allowed to? Like, am I, um, what about soup? You know, what, what, what? And it's like, there is no allowed to. All right, it doesn't matter. It's like, it's not like, you know, am I allowed to blend steak and chips? It's like, yeah, but it's not fast, right? So, um, <laughs> but like, you know, what about that? Just come before the Lord, make a decision. But if you do something, that puts some of our appetites under submission, you will sensitize yourself to the presence of God. It will help you to draw near. It will help you to seek, but nothing's compulsory. And finally, let me say what we always say, which is it's not what we fast from that really matters. It's what we fast to. Fasting from can help us, it can sensitize us, it can orientate us, it can even make space. But actually what we fast to is everything. That we draw into God, that we, that we press into Him. That, you know, far, far better to have 21 days of prayer than 21 days of fasting without prayer. And that we might press in. God and seek him in this time but having said all of that wouldn't it be so significant as a house if we fast in some way and we pray together and we take 21 days to to find him to press in to seek you know prayer heightens our awareness of his presence I remember the first time that I do a fast I was at university I'd not long been a Christian and I was praying about a certain situation and and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me are you serious I was really offended I was like what am I serious and it was like of course I'm serious I felt the Holy Spirit say well fast and I'd never heard of I didn't know about I mean I heard the word fast I didn't know what fasting was I was like what Lord fast and I said how long for he said two days I said, literally, I freaked out. I'd never missed a meal in my life and I, I, I didn't know if I was going to get through that. But I made a plan. I made a plan how I was going to use my time, how I was going to pray into this situation, how I was going to seek after God. I want to tell you, it was the most wonderful and glorious experience of my life to that point. I experienced the presence of God at another level. And for me, prayer and fasting has been such an amazing key of knowing God, of going deeper into God. You know, often we we can experience breakthroughs either during fasting or after fasting. I know for, for many people, fasting itself is not the great joy that I describe. It's hard work. And yet afterwards comes a breakthrough. Excuse me. Afterwards comes a breakthrough. And yet for all of us, if we seek, we will find. And that's my third point. Tamsin, will you come and join me? Thirdly, they found what they were seeking says of Simeon, he took him in his arms and praised God. If we return to the story, this dear Lady Anna, pursuing God her whole life, the truth is she'd already found him. She'd already found God in the temple. It's what kept her there. You know, once we've experienced his presence, we're, we're ruined for anything else, aren't we? We can't go back. She could testify that those who seek, find. It's all over her story but now beyond her expectations she seeks and she finds at another level the eternal word becomes flesh and makes his dwelling among us the desire of all nations has come for unto us a child is born a son is given the angels cry glory to God in the highest and she's there and she knows and she sees him for all the people in the temple that day who didn't see she saw because seekers always find and this seeking heart this prophetess prophesies over the Christ child she knows and she sees him because when we seek him we find him and dear Simeon told by the Holy Spirit he he won't die before he's seen the Christ And we're not told if he's a priest, if he's on duty, although he he takes the child as if he was on duty. But he's not on duty that day. He's not in the temple that day. But the Bible says, moved by the Holy Spirit, he went. You know, Jonathan last week talking about the God prod. Well, you know, the Simeon gets up in the morning or something happens. Like The Holy Spirit says, you got to go the Holy Spirit spoken to him. He's not going to die until he sees the Christ. And there he is, he walks in and this little couple, Joseph and Mary, unassuming, from Bethlehem, from Nazareth, just an ordinary with the lowest value offering and yet he knows because seekers find. He sees him and he takes him in his arms. He says, Sovereign Lord, as you promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. He says, I'm good to go home now because you've made good your word to me. This one who'd already found God, who had developed a relationship with the Holy Spirit, but he finds at another level because he's a seeker and seekers always find. I want to encourage us, church, to be a community of seekers. My belief is my expectation as we consecrate our lives, as we commit to His presence, as we seek Him, we will find Him. We'll know Him. We'll be Spirit-filled. We'll draw closer. We'll know the joy of knowing Him. Hosea 6, verse 3 in the NLT says, Oh, that we might know the Lord. Let us press on to know Him. My prayer is over this coming busy Christmas season that we, we don't park our seeking that we, we are the seekers over Christmas we are like the wise men and the shepherds that we, we find Christ in Christmas and yet also as we come into a new year we determine that we're going to set some time aside to focus on God to find Him in fresh ways to learn to go deeper I believe many of us will experience breakthroughs. Many of us will experience answers to prayer. Maybe there have been things through this year you've been praying and praying through and you haven't seen a shift. And I can't guarantee the ways and the timings of God, but I know sometimes when we set aside time, we can see a breakthrough. Daniel in chapter 10 took 21 days. He, he fasted, as, fasted as I've described and at the end of it, he has a breakthrough. And the angel comes and appears to him and and he says, "I, I was on my way from the day you first began to pray but I got detained in the heavenly realms. Michael, Archangel Michael had to come and help me out but I'm here now. Wow! Sometimes there are things going on beyond our sight and understanding but as we resolve to seek God breakthrough can come. And as we set our course for the year as we Commit ourselves to him. I'm excited that we'll be amazed at what God will do. Can we stand and pray? Lord, we thank you for your promise that if we seek, we find. Thank you, God, that you help us. And I pray, Lord, would you help us in the coming season? Would you lead us? Lord, forgive us for how often we don't seek. Lord, we pray that you would help us in the coming weeks. Not to drown you out in the busyness of a celebration. But to seek you and to find you. We pray as we come into a new year. As we consecrate ourselves. As we commit to your presence. As we go after you. As we seek you, Lord, we would find you in new ways personally, and we'd find you in new ways collectively, Lord, we would see breakthroughs, we'd see you extend your kingdom in our midst, we'd see you do all that is in your heart to do, help us we pray in your precious name.